beautiful human beings welcome back to love sex and magic with a very exciting special episode to celebrate our 100th episode so to celebrate 100 episodes of this fabulous show we are releasing three episodes celebrating our best bits so far from love sex and magic so today's episode is all about love we have the fabulous kelsey grant alexandra durigan sarah jenks and danielle laporte talking all things love and relationships with me we're talking about green flags and red flags to identify in new relationships integrating womb wisdom into your self-love and healing journey the new model of modern marriage and how to embody love in conflict forgiveness and letting go so let's get into the episode I think, you know, what I'm hearing as well is when we rush into something new too fast, um, we, we, we kind of put the focus on them and take it off of ourselves. Um, and so what I'm taking from what you've just said is like, keep the focus on you and how you're feeling every step of the way, instead of just focusing on them. Let's do like green flags and red flags. What are some of your green flags and red flags for new relationships? I mean, a green flag would be someone who knows what they're here to give the world. Like someone who's really clear in their mission and committed and devoted to it. Like that to me is the ultimate safety. Like if we're talking about safety in a relationship and like good life choice, that's a good life choice. Someone who can't actually be kicked off their center. Like they know this is what I'm here to serve the world with. And this is what I am here to serve my relationships with. And if someone doesn't know the answer to that question, like we are so not going to jive. We're just not like, we won't be in the same domain. So like that would be the first green flag. Um, and then the red flag is the opposite of that. <laughs> like someone who has no clue, like what they're doing, what they want to do. They're trying on a bunch of things and that's not a bad thing. It's just not aligned for me. Mm-hmm. So that's why it would be a red flag is because then that would actually hook me into that codependent pattern of like, Oh, let me mother you. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, no, thank you. Not interested. No, we're not, doing not interested. Well. Um, someone who also just has a deep devotion for serving the feminine. And I don't mean serving women. I mean, serving the feminine principle. So understands the importance of going slow and honors that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of rushing in relational dynamics these days that, to be honest, appalls me. Like, I find it such a turnoff. I'm like, someone who is really willing to go slow and values getting to know me just as much as I value getting to know them. Like they're not interested in hooking into fantasy either. They have a right relationship with reality, just like I do. So that would be like another green flag. And then I think a third green flag would be someone who just has a sense of humor about life, like who can laugh at themselves, who is self-aware and can have a little fun with their humanness. And like, we don't have to take it so damn seriously all the time. Like they can be serious, but they also 
can see the humor of how ridiculous we can be as human beings sometimes. So I'd say like those are like some really top green flags to look for. Um, big red flags, someone who's not in their body. So anyone who is not in their body, whether it's a client, whether it's a date, a potential future partner, like that's a hard no. Cause if they're not in their body, they're not going to be able to read the signals of your body either. And they're likely not going to honor the boundaries of your, your body's pace. Um, someone who doesn't have boundaries would also be a really, really big red flag. Um, and you know, things like controlling behavior, like these are kind of very baseline. Like if someone's controlling and then we're like, Oh, but like, he cares about me. And like, he's just like trying to protect me and take, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. And, you know, a big red flag for me now would be someone who hasn't individuated from their family system. So Mm. someone who is still plugged into these codependent roles within his family system. Like, can he stand up to his parents? Can he stand up for what's right? And sometimes that might mean going against his family system or going against like the mainstream or going against like the dominant idea in his friend circle. Like, is he actually, are they or her, whoever, like, are they devoted to truth and are they willing to serve truth? Even if it means that they might have to feel a little discomfort, even if it might mean that they might have to go through a phase of time where things are a little shaky in the family system because we're standing for truth not codependency. And if someone is fused in their family system, like, first of all, your relationship is not even in like the top five priorities because the top priority is keeping the codependent web alive in the family system, but also everywhere else. And so that takes up so much life force, so much life force to maintain, which means they are not available to serve the deeper love, the deeper truth, the deeper magic, or the deeper feminine inside of your relational container. And that would just be a hard no for me. And I think those would be like the top ones based on, you know, the last 10 years of (laughs) like my relational experiences and also doing this work and teaching this work. Like those are big ones to really keep your eye on. I love that. There's one more that I think I would like to add to that as well. And it's the relationships with someone, the relationship that someone keeps with the people close to him. For example, family, friendships. Um, You know, I definitely have had a pattern of uh, being attracted to a lone wolf type character. Um, And what I'm actually learning is, to really embody the work, it, like your, your primary relationships with people close to you should be healthy ones, you know? And, um, that for me is like, like a, for me, like a green flag now is like someone that has decent relationships with friendships and family, not someone that's like, um, you know, pushed, pushed people away or, 
um, doesn't want anything to do with family members for X, Y, Z reasons. Oh, that I love that you brought that and weave that in because how someone relates in their relationships will tell you how they're going to relate to you in your relationship. Like if they can't, like, as you said, like if they can't have any healthy relationships around them or they just don't have any relationships at all, like that is a huge red flag. And again, like watching you're going to have to watch those relationships for a while. You're going to have to experience them for a while to see what's really true. Cause again, like people can put on a show and that is exactly what dating is. At least now it's like, let me put on the, my best performance and hopefully that will rope you in instead of let me be my most real version. And if and you bring your real version and if we like that enough, let's see each other again. Yeah. And let's keep a pulse on reality. And I'm going to watch, like I am going to watch, like my Scorpio moon is always watching. <laughs> 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 and like calculating and like just sniffing out like anything that is misaligned with truth. Yeah. And I'm going to, I want to see, like I have very healthy friendships and it's interesting you brought that forward because I've had past partners who found those relationships really threatening. And at the time I was like, Oh, they're just, you know, they don't have like those kinds of friends. Like we're unique. And I'm like, no, like healthy relating is everywhere. It's not unique to my social circle. Like it's literally everywhere. Every demographic of human being, there is healthy relating templates in there. So if someone is threatened by my very healthy relationships with the men and women and people in my community, that is a signal to me that either they don't have healthy relationships or there's something way more sinister going on underneath that I want nothing to do with because Mm. I am not someone's classroom. I am not their therapist. Like I'm not their mommy. Like I'm not here to train him into becoming a better man. Like, Yes. You've either learned those things or you haven't. And if you don't know how to have a healthy relationship with a man, with a woman and with a person in your community, like we, we, we're not going to drive. No, we're just not. Yeah. And the, the spiritual component of course, that I want to share with everyone is when you are practicing this womb massage, it's a deeply spiritual journey that, that I was taken on mm-hmm. that, that you go on. It's not a sim. It's not a, okay, that's back in the right place. <laughs> like yeah. move on with your life right. and good luck. It's, it's very deep. And, you know, there were certain points that you were pressing into my cervix and into my womb space where there was huge releases yes. of trauma and yeah. wounding and mm. huge emotional releases that were coming out from my body. Yeah. And, I can remember one in particular on my left side, which was where I had the cyst. And it was this grief. It felt like this grief of um, Mm. this. I felt I was like transported back to being a little girl and feeling Mm. abandoned. And it was this almost like what I felt like we were doing was touching the root of my abandonment wound and like 
giving it somewhere to to be released, giving it somewhere to go. Mm. And and there was tears and there was emotion moving and there was tension that relaxed. And I honestly feel like after that session, I I don't know that I've like felt that same mm. wound come up mm. at all since. Yeah. Um, whereas it, it was something that was maybe quite frequently triggered, yeah. you know? And yeah. so... Can you speak to that, you yeah. know, like how does all of this, yeah. <laughs> how does this happen, yeah. you know, because it's, it's that physical experience and then it's just so much more than that that's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, it kind of brings us back into the interface of the body, where it's the interface of this physical temple and vessel. It's the interface of our emotional landscapes, of our energy body. And I preface with my clients a lot the way that even if we have worked through something mentally, even if we have consciously connected to something, there still may be roots in the body where it is living. Mm. So when we connect to the tissues, we connect to that kind of final reservoir of where this energy and emotion is being held. And that's where we get to heal in an embodied state in the body somatically in that moment that we can truly process the energy and emotion from the tissues and re-inhabit that part of ourself you know for you really re-inhabiting that left ovary even deeper because where we carry these wounds we have a tendency to not reside fully and so through this body work care through the coming home to our tissues to our vessel we re-root and again inhabit that wholeness and we find ourselves seated then you know in these reservoirs of energy like the left or the right ovary that are so powerful in our lives and so instead of kind of tiptoeing around that place we're fully in it we're fully activated within ourselves we're inhabiting this part of who we are and from that place we get to receive the medicine and the wisdom that dwells there Mm. so always 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 holding such respect that the body remembers And the more that we learn in kind of the somatic world of of healing arts, the more we discover just how true that is. And science is really starting to understand that, which is miraculous. So that we're bridging, you know, the worlds of of spirit and science and really meeting this phenomena that is the body and how truly, like how true healing can actually occur by Mm. coming back into this place and feeling the emotion that we have trapped inside ourselves. Yeah, yeah so powerful yeah I can imagine there are plenty of women listening to this who yeah. feel the deep call yeah to this work mm. um but have questions around yeah. or fears around wait a minute someone's hands are going inside yeah. of my womb yeah. wait a minute like what's the deal with that (laughs) you know because it's not sexual it's Mm -hmm. not a pleasurable but it's also it's not um it's not like going to the gynecologist right right? Right. so I can imagine there are women that have reservations around this and I completely would have as well if Mm -hmm. I hadn't been in like a I need to do this Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. mode what advice do you have or can you soothe the people listening and kind of 
let them know like what it's really like, what to expect and, and kind of help them with their fears. Absolutely. So we'll just kind of imagine that you're arriving, right? You're arriving into this session and I'm going to greet you with a warm cup of tea and we're going to just sit down together woman to woman and, and drop in and connect. Mm -hmm. And I call this care devotional body work within a ceremonial setting because devotional bodywork means that we are holding the utmost of respect to you and your body. So we are going to go so slow and we are going to start in places that are more comfortable. The body is an interweaving where all parts really connect to each other. And when we look at the fascia planes, you know, we begin to heal through the legs and down the diaphragm and we're already nourishing the pelvic space. So what you experience in a session is touch in these kind of more comfortable places so that we begin to drop into deep, deep safety together. And kind of where a lot of our reservations can come once we start to get to more of the intimate places is just from sexual wounding that we've carried. And I personally believe that it is sexual wounds that permeate our Western care realm, which is why we don't talk about sexual health, which is so important to our overall health. Like, I Mm. don't know that we can have full, vital well-being if we're not in sexual wellness. Mm. Because our sex centers are the centers of life itself. So it's a remembering that, wow, these parts of me are so sacred. And when we start to understand the way that the health of our sex centers and our womb plays a role in our hormonal balance, plays a role in our fertility, plays a role in our menstrual cycle, we can kind of come back into this awareness of, wow, this matters so much for me to receive care here. And so in the session, we go so slow because safety and comfortability is my utmost priority for every single woman and that the body can't truly receive unless we feel safe. And so perhaps the first session, we only do external care and we really tend to the inner hips and the womb space and the ovaries. And then maybe the second session, we do vulva care. And then maybe the third session, we do internal work, but all of these spaces play an integral role with each other and with the overall health of the body. So coming up, circling back to devotional body work you know we have this ceremonial care setting to remind each woman how much she matters to remind her how important she is and again we sit down we go so slow and we really just go at the pace of the body respecting what that is uniquely for each woman and you know as women sit with me we drop into this remembrance together of oh, wow, this is so safe. And and oh, wow, this is like not what I maybe thought when my nerves were speaking really loud. And we can feel in our body how good it feels to be cared for. Yeah. Like when I am held by another woman and, and she sees me and I know I'm safe, there's so much that becomes possible in that moment for our well-being. Mm-hmm. And I just truly believe that we just... 
we have to restore that for ourselves. And it's nothing like a gynecologic um, visit in a sterile setting. It's so warm. It's so nourishing. It's, it's so respectful. Really. It's worlds apart. It's like yeah. how, you know, you, yeah. you visit a gynecologist and... And it's scary it's, and it's uncomfortable. It's dehumanizing. It's uncomfortable. It's, yeah. it's not pleasant for anyone. And we think that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we come into spaces such as yours and we feel so nurtured, so taken yeah. care of. And I just remember so many times with you, I just cried because mm. I was like, women need to know about this. Like all women need this. <laughs> and do. the reason that they don't, they don't have it is because they just don't know. This right. information isn't being spread enough. Right. And it's, right. um, how can we access that if we don't know it's there? Exactly. So we really need to spread this message and, and let yeah. people know that spaces like this exist and yeah. we can be cared for by oh, women who so deeply understand the womb and yeah. the healing work and everything that's yeah. involved there. Yeah, yeah. Hi guys, if you are an entrepreneur listening to this episode and you would like my eyes on your business for an entire year of mentorship, then I'm here to let you know that applications are now open for The Queendom, which is my year-long counsel and mastermind for business, love, life, and legacy. So if you are passionately growing your business and you are a leader, a powerhouse, and you're ready to relate to your business in a beautiful, healthy, feminine way and grow your impact, then join us. You can go to melwells.com slash queendom to apply. I'm taking on 13 female entrepreneurs in 2023 to mentor for the entire year. And also we have two beautiful retreats included in that year. So if that interests you, you can go to the link in the show notes, melwells.com slash queendom. And of course, this is a year long mentorship. So this is not for brand new entrepreneurs. This is for people who have been on the journey for a little while. So can't wait. Hope you apply and we'll see you there. Let's get back into the episode. I just know that there's people listening that are in the position where they feel separate from yeah. their husband yes. or from their family yep. or from their partner. And like, what is you, what do you think is like the first thing that they can start to do? First mm -hmm. of all, with their marriage. So yep. I know you have a program called Modern Marriage, mm -hmm. which seems to reinvent the old mm -hmm. ideas of yep. what marriage is. is. Yep. So I want to hear you talk about that. Mm -hmm. But what is like the first step if their partner is like just really not on the same page mm -hmm. or even worse, like doing these kind of self, like sabotaging things yeah. from their own conditioning? Yeah. So I think the first place to start is to really understand what an outdated marriage looks like and to understand that there is like a cultural system around marriage and it like marriage has its own energy because I would even say that Jonathan and I were more, he, he gave me more space to do my thing and like be my wild and crazy self. And it was a different way at the time mm -hmm. before we got married. And then something happened when I became Mrs. Brightboard that changed everything. And I don't think either of us really noticed. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the expectations I also put on myself in the beginning. 
So I think it's really important to look at, okay, what are my unspoken rules of marriage? And for me, before Jonathan and I really looked at our marriage, my unspoken rules were, um, I have to be the peacekeeper that our relationship is based on raising children and being like financially stable. I am here to support Jonathan, what he wants to do. I can get all of like my wild and magical needs met outside of the house. You know, (laughs) this is meant to be like a more like calm, traditional, do what's right for the kids, um, sort of place. Yeah. And like our parents, like our parents, how we thought our parents. So this is why understanding why asking yourself the unspoken rules of marriage, Mm -hmm. because what has happened is that we learned how to do marriage from our parents and there's a really important thing about being in an outdated relationship is that you never talk about the relationship. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about it. You don't work on it. You don't say when something is wrong. Cause if you say if something is wrong, then the other person is wrong and then you're going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, and so another rule is that if there's any problems, you're going to get divorced or like yeah. by no means ever get divorced is yeah. another rule of outdated marriage. Yeah. And so. And then our parents learned marriage from their parents and they never talked about it or upgraded mm-hmm. anything. And they learned it from their parents. Like right. really we have the same or very similar unspoken, unconscious marriage rules yeah. from like 200 years ago. Even to the point where like the word therapy is considered like if you're having therapy, oh. there must be some serious, serious, like serious issues. Exactly. You know, there's, there's something wrong with you. Right. If you're having therapy right. or, you know, there's something there's, you've got issues, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Whereas like now it's like, I mean, in the circles that we run in, it's like, why don't, why why don't you have therapy? Right. Why exactly. aren't you? Like everyone really needs a therapist. Yep. You know? Exactly. So it used to be, and this is more specific. I see this more in relationships where it's a, a man woman relationship where we're stuck in these same gender roles, these mm-hmm. antiquated gender roles where the man is just there to provide mm-hmm. and doesn't really have to do anything else. And so that isn't the case anymore. Women no longer need men to just be the provider. And so, and we also don't even need them to have children anymore. So what is it? Why choose marriage now? This was the question that Jonathan and I started asking each other. Why are we married? If I don't need you to make money and I like... I can go off and do whatever I want. Why are we choosing to stay together? And in my head, I'm like, because you're making me so freaking miserable all the time. Like, what's the point? And we realize that for us, and we really believe that this can be a way for a lot of people, that the modern rules of marriage is that we are there to support each other in becoming the fullest expression of who we both are. Mm. And that's it, period. And so, and so we really started seeing our marriage as a sacred union and us being in devotion to each other's growth. And so when we are in devotion to each other's growth, not only are we supporting each other on our own paths, but we are really looking at our relationship. Mm -hmm. And so something that Jonathan and I always say in modern marriage is that the issue isn't the person you're married to. It's the marriage. It's the rules of the marriage. It's the belief system that has come with us 
never sitting down and upgrading this institution, Mm. you know, and, you know, we believe in monogamy. That's what we are choosing to do. Like we believe in a, in still a lot of the same rules of marriage, but we have to take, we have to sit down and really look at why. Yeah. And, um, so I think for women who are struggling with, they have to start there. What are the unspoken rules? And what is the new priority inside of my marriage? And then we have to look at how we've just been brainwashed to have very low standards for men. Mm. And I just think it really does everybody a disservice. So the first thing that I talk to women about is raising your standards and knowing what you deserve. Like you deserve to be, to have a partner who will talk about his feelings. Mm. This is just like basic stuff now. It is. You know, and but it's not been taught. But it's not been taught. Men have not been raised that way. So there's a lot of work still to be done. Because a lot of people are in relationships with men that didn't learn how to do that. And they're now learning as grown Mm -hmm. adults. So it's like we're all remembering together. Exactly. And we're all and to and to normalize that with their partner be like, it's okay that you don't know how to do this, but it's right. 2021, so we're going to start. We're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to do it now. Yeah. And we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, Jonathan really came alive in his own path when we started with, with marriage therapy, which is why we've created Modern Marriage for couples where most of the couples in the program, the woman is on a on a personal growth path and the the husband is resistant. Mm -hmm. And so we use marriage as a place to start around how do we look at what's happening underneath the hood? How do we talk about feelings? What are your needs? What are your Mm. desires? How do we have healthy communication? And then we end with what is the path that each of you need to take to become the fullest expression of who you are? Mm. And then how can you support each other in doing that? Mm. That's so beautiful. Mm. And to, to do all that whilst raising kids, as well yeah is is a lot it's a lot because you know another thing that i hear women say that our mums is my marriage is like we we just revolve our lives around the kids yeah yeah right and like our sex life is gone our yeah. romance is yeah. gone like how do we prioritize mm-hmm. us yeah. again yeah not just us as mom and dad exactly yeah so jonathan and i really see that us working on our marriage is raising our children mm. that we, our primary objective is to model the type of relationship that we want our kids to have, you know, because we're each modeling, you know, depending on, um, you know, who our kids choose and if they choose to be in a long-term relationship, if, if Marshall chooses to be with a woman, even if he chooses to be with a man, like I'm modeling what it looks like to be a partner. Yeah. And so I think it's we've also been brainwashed to believe that our our romantic relationship is unimportant in parenting mm. but if you want your kids to have a healthy romantic relationship you have to have a healthy romantic relationship like just putting food on the table is not enough it's just not you know if we really are wanting to raise conscious, you know, ambitious, confident humans, Mm. we have to be that too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the most important work there Mm -hmm. is 
really. And, yeah. you know, everyone that's on any kind of spiritual personal development path is having to look back at their childhood. Right. Anyone that's ever yeah. dug into their trauma or sat in ceremony mm-hmm. or, you know, been in therapy, mm-hmm. it's all about, well, what, what were you going through in your childhood and what was modeled to you? Right. What did you learn from your mom? Exactly. What was your relationship like with your dad? What was mm-hmm. their relationship like? Right. You know, like yeah. what was your dad's relationship like with other women? What was your mom's relationship like with other men? Like, yeah. what did you pick up on exactly. as a child? Cause there's so much that kids just absorb right. through, through what they're being mm-hmm. modeled to. And most yep. people were not, we were not, we didn't have like a healthy, interdependent relationship model that we saw. Yeah. So I think it's like, it's really important and beautiful work that you're doing. And Thank you. yeah, it's, it's a really good example for people and it gives people a reason, like you said, a reason to actually be together and stay together and do this because women are so independent now. Right. We, we make our own money. We do our own thing. We don't need the provider role anymore, but what we need is like, a soulmate, a companion, right, exactly. a partnership, a team. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to move into now in the book, you say your heart is open all of the time, actually. I get a lot of questions about like, how do I open my heart? How do I open my heart to love when I've been hurt? And so I'm intrigued to hear what your take on this is, where you say the heart is actually open all of the time. Um, and it reminds me of that, um, Rumi quote about we, we are love and we just have to, instead of seeking to find love, we just have to realize that we are love and we have to remove all the barriers that mm-hmm. put us, mm-hmm. that were put in front of us mm-hmm. to love. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I've just <laughs> botched that, but you know, you know, the one. Yeah. This is, this is my favorite semantical breakdown. So mm-hmm. Do we want to be in that place of, I want to open my heart? Yeah, of course, of course. But what's really happening is just to consider, maybe we could have a revelation <laughs> that you are love. The foundation is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, you are receptive. You are magnetic. You are generating that divinity all the time without question. Mm-hmm. What happens is the mind closes and when we mm-hmm. get that, when we understand that, that the foundation is this vibration, and then the aperture is just really these thoughts, then it's really uh, motivating to choose different thoughts. It's also, I find it very comforting to just, I just remind myself, oh, I'm love. I got this. Mm-hmm. So that I show up as love to the conversation. Like just last weekend, my my man and I were in a little bit of a row and uh, we, he was going to go off and do his thing for the day. And then I, I was going to do my thing. We're going to meet for sushi in the afternoon. And, you know, I went on my walk and this is how tricky the ego is. Like I'm coming with up with all of these ways that for the sake of love, for the sake of being closer, more intimate conversation, I'm going to nail him basically on why he's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm telling myself, this is okay. This is actually progress. This is not progress. This is <laughs> me just needing to be right and why I'm wounded and la, 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 la. And I, and this is a, my practice. This is a micro practice that can change everything. I just look up at the sky and I go, mm, I'm this vast. I am this loving. I just use the sky. 
and just move into that vibe. Like just imagine being that spacious and expanded. Mm -hmm. And this little tiff we're having is just this cloud, all these opinions. It's just weather. And I'm just going to let it go. Because I'm this big, like, again, this is the idea of like, you are a very large container. You are a vessel, <laughs> a conduit of love. And yeah, so then, you know, sushi time came and instead of coming up with, you should have done this. And this made me feel this way. I just showed up and I was like, Hey babe. And that was it. Mm. We had a great night. I love that. I love that. And it's, it's not sweeping it under the rug. It's coming back to what's really important. And I have had similar experiences where I've been in little fights or, you know, situations where there's like tension and triggers and everyone wants to be right and prove their side of the story is, is the truth. And I found as soon as I soften as soon as I allow myself to soften and say, look, I love you. I want to connect. Then we can talk about the ins and the outs. But if we can start by just coming back to love, mm-hmm. I love you so much. I want us to be connected. Then we can, then we can move forward from there. And I love that you guys just, just, you just said, Hey babe. And the, the love was felt, you know, mm-hmm. mm. Beautiful. So speaking of love and letting go of things, something that you've written about is how do we transform something so that it no longer takes up energy within us? Mm -hmm. And that is by loving it, bringing love to these situations, these, these parts, Mm -hmm. these, these things that are taking up a lot of energy, causing us a lot of stress. We bring love to it. Can you talk about that process mm-hmm. and how we do that? The foundational philosophy here is that you actually can't let anything go, but you can transform everything. Mm-hmm. So you had the experience, you were angry or you're ashamed or you're heartbroken. Mm-hmm. You got dumped. You did something dishonest, whatever, whatever is making that, you know, that, uh, the twinge in you mm. and that, that twingy feeling, sometimes it's your, it's your conscience, you know, it's your soul saying, Hey, 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 you are better than that. Let's get things back on track, which is really the definition of karma. It's not about punishment. It's like, just let's get back to you being your whole self. Just a little reminder, mm. clean that up. Um. So letting go for me is about transmutation and kindness, friendliness, warmth is the only thing that changes anything in a lasting way. Hmm. So everybody right now can think of something about yourself that you hate. I mean, I rarely use that word, but we have that hatred going on, right? That you loathe. What's the stuff you don't even want to tell your therapist about? It's something that happened to you. It's something that you did. You don't want anybody on social to know about this. Mm. And what if you just had a friendly conversation with it instead Mm. of taking it back to therapy obsessively (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 
uh, you know, and this is really, I think the conversation we need to be having with really everything and our fear and each other. So there's warmth. We know how to be warm. We know how to change our tone. We know the dialogue we could have with all that stuff we're pushing down. We know the kind words, we've got them. And it will interrupt a lifetime of resisting your shadow. Why do you want to interrupt a lifetime of resisting your dark stuff? Because all of your power is in the dark stuff. Mm. You, you become a whole person. You become more intuitive. You, you, um, your instincts get sharper when you start pulling that stuff up out of the basement and going, Oh, mm. that's my fear that I bring to every conversation. That's me not wanting to be abandoned again, that I write mm-hmm. into my marketing copy. Mm-hmm. That's me not wanting to be neglected, which is why I just strive all the time. Oh, that's why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And then you say, oh, I love I striving part of me, <laughs> needy part of me. Oh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to bring you with me. Let's go. So you're not mm-hmm. saying needy part. Um, you're not, you're not canceling your own neediness or calling it out or even this bullshit of calling it up, which I think is such a disguise for just being righteous. I'm just going to call you up instead of call you up. Whatever. Does it need to be, <laughs> does it need to be said? Um, so we're not canceling our dark stuff. We're saying, I see you and I appreciate what you're teaching me. And you're a part of me. I created you. You created your neediness. All that the dynamic in the relationship that's driving you crazy, that is of your making. Mm-hmm. So stop pushing it away. It is all here to be loved. The the anxiety, the panic attacks, the cold sweats, the not wanting to go to work, all those heavy feelings. It's some part of you saying, Hi, I'm trying to get your attention. And attention is love. I just want you to love me. Could you stop trying to change me? Mm. And then everything just relaxes and you can pull it off. So I really hope you loved this episode. If you enjoy listening to this show, I would love if you would leave us a review. And really exciting, you can now have your question answered by me on this show live by sending in a voice note to the show. So you will have the option to have this message completely anonymous too, but it's going to be like getting mini coaching from me on air. So if you want to take part in this, I would love to do this with you. So go to the link in the show notes and you'll know exactly what to do. So thank you so much.